That's you today. The Bible gives us this word. It's called repentance. Repentance is not an angry word of God. It's God's way of saying, I want us to have a sweet relationship and you're outside of it. So when you turn back, it's not a term of dismissal. It's a term of covenant. It's God saying, I want you to turn back to me so that you can experience the oneness that Jesus bought for you. Does the word repent leave a nasty taste in your mouth? Maybe you've heard it in a way like this, turn or burn in a sermon, and it pushed you away from accepting Jesus as your Savior. Pastor Daniel is going to remind you today that the word repentance is a term of covenant. Above all else, God wants to be in a loving relationship with you. He loves you and wants your love in return. So listen to today's message and hear God's heart for you. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 6 as he begins his message the greatest commandment. Let's open up in those Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Deuteronomy, chapter 6, as we continue this series as slow and leisurely as it may be through the Bible. I mean, it's amazing because if you think about Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which would be the second, third, fourth, and fifth books in your Bible, you know, the children of Israel were journeying leisurely through the wilderness. And so they were in rebellion against God too. I don't think we're doing that, but we're taking our time here going through the scriptures. And the reason we're taking our time is because If you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus and you have the Spirit of God living in you, all of these truths that you find within the Bible are actually dwelling within you because the Spirit inspired this Word. But the job of a pastor and a church is to remind you of the things that deep down where the Spirit of God speaks, you already know, but we have a tendency for it to get buried by life. And so the work of reminding the apostle Peter and his epistles say, it's good that I remind you of these things. And so even though you're like, well, hey, Pastor Daniel, I've been here since we've been doing Exodus. I've heard this stuff before. But isn't life a continual things of re-remembering the truths that we were told that meant something to us and asking God just to take us to the next step? Lord, take me to the next step of understanding this. Take me to the next step of living this out. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I've entitled this the greatest commandment because when they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he actually, instead of pulling one of the Ten Commandments, he actually pulled the commandment out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. So this chapter contains, when they asked Jesus what the foremost or the most important commandment was, he pulled it out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. So we'll get there in a little bit. So let's start in verse 1 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says this. It says, now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are 
crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, there's so much in this. These are what I would call verses that are pregnant with meaning. That literally we can... I could take a couple weeks on each verse here to try and unpack everything. Now, it begins, again, with this is the commandment, verse 1, and these are the statutes and judgment which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Now, this is important here because it begins with these are all of the laws, the commandments, Right? That God has given you, and he's really saying that God has commanded me to teach to you, and I want you to observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. So I've said it many times here on a Wednesday night and on Sunday mornings that if you want to bake the whole Bible down, you can bake it down to God, the people, in the land, right? There's a God who has authority over everything, and he has a group of people who are uniquely his own. Right, And God wants to give those people a dwelling place in which to flourish and blossom. Right, And this is literally from Genesis to Revelation, all the way through, you see these factors. And he's saying, listen, God's commanded me to teach you these commandments, right, so that you can go into the land. And then he goes on to talk about how he wants them to prosper in the land. So what we learn here is that the commandments that God has given, it's about the blessing of the people. And it's not just about them having the laws, it's about them observing the laws. Now, let's not miss the fact that this is the book of Deuteronomy, and Jesus came as the fulfillment of the law. So our relationship with the law is different because of Jesus. And we always have to talk about this because people have a tendency to make the mistake that these laws apply outside of the finished work of Jesus. Now, what did Jesus say about the law? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And what that means is that the laws aren't bad. The laws are actually God's standard for righteousness. And Jesus didn't come to destroy them, but he came to be the fulfillment of the law, right? Now, when you move ahead into the Apostle Paul's writing, the book of Galatians tells us very clearly that the law exists to be the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. So the law's job is to be our tutor, so to speak. I remember when I was in college, I had to take a calculus class. And I thought about this today because I went to a coffee shop. I saw one of the young guys at our church and he had his calculus book open and he had a big old smile on his face. And I thought to myself, 
man, he must have drank a lot of coffee, you know? And I said to him, like, dude, you are smiling and you're doing calculus. I'm like, I just feel uncomfortable watching you do calculus. And he said, I really, really like it. And I said, you are a freak, you know? And he was like, Pastor Daniel. I'm like, and he's like, no, no. He's like, I want to be an engineer. I'm like, oh, so you have to go through calculus to be an engineer. He's like, I really like it. I thought it was really weird. But it reminded me of when I was in calculus. And now I'm here to tell you the only way I made it through calculus is because I got a lot of help. Because math just ain't my thing. You know what I mean? And so, so a tutor's job is to help you to gain an understanding. And so when the Apostle Paul says that the law is the tutor that brings you to Christ, it shows you, it tutors you, it points you to the fact that with the law, none of us live up to it. All of us have failed when we see ourselves against the standard of God's perfect righteousness. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God except for Jesus. So Jesus' life in the Gospels, in the totality of his life, not only did he fulfill God's law in action, he actually also fulfilled it in motivation behind the actions. Okay? So for you and I, we don't find ourselves under the law because Jesus fulfilled it, but the law still functions as our guide, and that's why we study it. I have people all the time. Or if you ever notice on the church Facebook page, the negative reviews about Crossroads. It's always either the fact that they're jealous of my hair (laughs) or the fact that they don't realize that we study the law because it's God's inspired word. And we're not trying to put anybody under the law. We want to study the law so it'll bring us right to Jesus. In the midst of seeing God's righteous standards, we all say, Praise you, God, for Jesus. Or else you would never be able to eat shrimp scampi. You know, there's all these things that you just don't get to do. You know, no bacon. All of you would have long hair. I mean, there's all these things in there. All these things in there that because of Jesus, we have the tremendous, glorious liberty of the children of God. And so, but we study the law because God has given us the law as a blessing. And the reason it's a blessing is because it shows us what his standards are. And when we see his standards, we realize, I haven't lived up to that. On our best day, we don't live up to it. And that could leave us condemned and distraught until we realize that's exactly why Jesus came. Jesus died to help us in all the ways we fall short. Jesus fills in all the gap for us and then some. And so the law is important. And God gave his people the law because he wanted them to live rightly and prosper and be blessed in the land that he was giving them. And all through the book of Deuteronomy, especially when we get towards the end, we're going to start seeing that God's going to say, look, if you do it, you're going to be blessed. And if you don't do it, you're going to be cursed. Right? And the idea is by not living out God's righteous standard, the cursing is actually the natural outcome of us not living in light of what God wants. See, all through the Bible, when we choose not to obey God's commandments, when we choose not to live into the righteous, there are natural and spiritual consequences to our rebellion. And we've all, in your own lives and in my own life, I have all these experiences where I say, actually, the cursing of me living in rebellion against God is the natural outcome of my rebellion against God. It leaves us in a place where God never wanted us in the first place. And so 
God's purposes in giving us guardrails is not just because he's a big meanie, but his purpose in the guardrails, as I like to say, is he loves us too much to hurt ourselves. So he says, these are the guardrails that I want you to live in. But what's amazing is I say that, how many of us right now, you're involved in something that you know it's outside God's guardrail. And if that's you today, the Bible gives us this word, it's called repentance. Repentance is not an angry word of God. It's God's way of saying, I want us to have a sweet relationship and you're outside of it. So when you turn back, it's not a term of dismissal. It's a term of covenant. It's God saying, I want you to turn back to me so that you can experience the oneness that Jesus bought for you. So if you find yourself right now in your day-to-day living outside of the guardrails that God has placed for you, you just need to turn back, turn to the Lord. Because by living outside, you're actually turning away from him and you're messing with the fellowship that God wants for you and bought for you. But God's purpose in all these laws is that the people would dwell in the land and they would be blessed in the land. Now, it's amazing because in verse two it says that you may fear the Lord your God. Now, that's one of those things, every time I find it in the Bible, it's always like people say, I don't want to fear God. And I always say the same thing. The fear of God. This is an important concept because in the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs, it tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? It also says it's the beginning of knowledge. So any wisdom or knowledge that you want, it begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, I believe that the fear of the Lord, it's a very nuanced word, but when you translate it into the Greek, it's literally the word phobos, which we get our word phobia. So some of you are scared of spiders. Some of you are scared of sunshine. You know, I was, there's things that we're scared, that we have an aversion to in a sense. And so the fear of the Lord literally means the fear of the Lord. Like we should fear God. Now I think we should fear God at a minimum in two different ways. One, we should fear his authority. God is the judge of all the earth. Even though we all feel like we stand in the court of public opinion with what everyone else thinks about us, in the end of the day, each one of our lives is going to be laid out and is laid out before the judge of all mankind, which is the true and living God. And that type of authority is something that we fear. I always use the same example because it's the perfect example. And everybody can relate to it. All of us realize that when you're driving your car, there's a black and white car with lights on it. Right? Now, what happens when you're driving and you notice in your rearview mirror the cop car? What do you do? You jam on your brakes, no matter what speed you're going, you put your hands at 10 and 2, right? And you get really nervous, and you keep looking in the rear of your mirror. You could be driving the speed limit, you're still jamming on your... I feel bad for cops now, because every time they're in, no matter where they are, everyone's doing the speed limit. Can you imagine how annoying that's got to be for a police officer? Like, it's like a 25 mile an hour, and someone's going 23 miles an hour, you know? And like, why do we do that? Because we know that that cop has the authority to pull us over. He can write us a citation, and then all these things go on, right? And so all of us naturally, except there's a few of you who every time you see a cop, you like speed around them. And that's just dumb, right? Because you get tickets all the time. You're going to lose your license, right? It's just not smart. I'm from New Jersey, so I want to do that sometimes. You got to pray for me. I'm just like, I just want to be like the one guy. Like, why'd you do that? Well, everyone else slows down, so I just want to give you something exciting to do. And I'm the pastor of Crossroads, so just come to church, you know, or whatever, you know. 
You got to pray for me. God's not finished with me yet. He's working on me. But I think that way until I think I don't want to pay these surcharges and insurance. I'd be really bad. And it might be one of the cops who goes to the crossroads and then they'll be like, Fusco, you're breaking the law, you know? So it'd be bad. So I don't, but I think about these things. You're all like a little, hey, TMI, Fusco. You know, like we're, we're in that weird zone where you live. But I bring this up because we all get nervous when a cop's behind us. Doesn't matter what we're doing. Because he has the authority to pull us over and to give us a citation. And how much more the authority of the true and living God who can't just give us a citation or as Jesus said, don't fear them who can just kill the body, but fear him who can kill the body and cast the soul into hellfire. See, eternity is in the hands of the judge of all mankind, which is the true and living God. And I'll be honest with you, we should fear the authority that's there. Knowing that he is God and we are not. That he is infinite and we are finite. That he has control and the keys to eternity and we do not. And we are, find ourselves at the mercy of his grace. We find ourselves in need of his love. In need of his forgiveness. So that's one side of fearing. And then the other side, so that's a positional fear, so to speak. Because of God's position. But the other side, I always say that in any loving relationship, we should fear breaking a loved one's heart. Right? Like you husbands, you should fear breaking your wife's heart. You wives, you should fear breaking your husband's heart. I always tell my kids, don't ever make your mama cry. Don't ever make your mama cry because I want my kids to fear breaking their mom's heart. Why? Because in a loving relationship, we should care enough to fear breaking someone's heart. And the other side of fearing God, not just his position, but because of the relationship that we have with God, we should say, God, I fear breaking your heart. But I think what happens is, for many of us, we really don't fear God. We haven't thought through both his authority and the loving relationship that he bought for us in Jesus. And when that happens, we have a tendency to allow ourselves to do things that break his heart and pretend like it doesn't. And that, my friends, I think is a major call for us as the children of God to say, Lord, as we sang, break my heart for what breaks yours. And then we sing it before. It's a powerful line. Lord, when something breaks your heart, I want it to break my heart so that I'm not, I don't involve myself in it. And I think that loving relationship married to the reality of God's authority, that's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because true wisdom isn't just having a lot of information. As we always say here, wisdom is the right application of the right information. That's a life of wisdom. And for too many of us, we either have the right information and we don't apply it, which isn't wisdom, or we have the wrong information and we're applying that. But when we fear God, now we have the opportunity to receive the right information and to apply it in the proper ways. So he says here that part of God's blessing on his people is that we would fear him, and in the middle of verse 2, to keep his statutes and his commands, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. So he's saying, not only for you, but I want you to pass this down to your offspring and to your grandkids. And we do this so that your days may be prolonged. This is that idea of there's a blessing that comes with honoring the commandments of the Lord. The Apostle John says his commandments are not burdensome. See, the blessing of 
following the things that Jesus teaches us is we're following the things that Jesus teaches us. So when Jesus says, don't do these things and we don't do these things, we don't end up with the sin tax, S-I-N tax, of all the rebellion against God. So like I used to tell people, I've told, I have a heavy partying background. And so if I ended up with lung cancer, I can't blame God for that because I kind of trashed my lungs for about 10 years of my life, right? And that is the sin tax of living in rebellion against God. Now, I pray God for healing and all this stuff, and, and I pray that he has. But in every area of your life, when we live in rebellion, there is a tax that comes along with it. And so the key for us is that we have to realize that God's purposes and plans are there to bring blessing to our lives. And if we all look at our lives, you might see areas, oh yeah, there's, I'm experiencing the sin tax there because it's the natural outgrowth of me living in a way that God doesn't say and that has ramifications. Sometimes it's the way we deal with our finances, the way we deal with the temple of God, our own bodies, the things that we involve ourselves in, decisions that we make. And so it's about God wanting to prolong our lives, to bless our lives, for our lives to be the place, the repository, so to speak, of all that God wants to do. Now, from there, we see in verse 3, therefore, now, the word therefore, what do you always see when you see the word therefore? What's it there for? That's right. It's a concluding word. Therefore, you always ask, what's it there for? It's a concluding word. So because of that, it says, therefore, Hear, O Israel. Now, go down to verse 4. Hear, O Israel. Now, one of the things I love about being a student of the Bible, one of the things I love about getting to teach the Bible, is that every time you read the Bible, no matter how many times you've read it, at different points in your life, certain things pop out at you. Right? Now, I've taught the greatest commandment, literally as a pastor, hundreds of times. Maybe thousands of times. It's come up in a sermon. Right? But this week as I was studying, God took the word here and he brought it out and he just shined lights on it. That Jesus said, if you have ears, then you should hear. Let he who has ears to hear. And what that means is that sometimes we hear, but we don't actually hear. Right? It's like the words go in, but in some way it doesn't, connect. Hearing is such an important part of the Christian life. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You guys know I'm a talker. (laughs) No heckling the pastor, okay? (laughs) Could have fooled me, right? But for those of us who are talkers, right, oftentimes we're good talkers and we're not good listeners. Jesus is real. If you want to bake the whole Bible down, Pastor Daniel told us that it's about God, the people, and the land. God continually shows the people how to live in the land and experience his blessing. And this is why he gave them the law. Our relationship with the law changed because of Jesus. The laws are God's standards for righteousness, and Jesus fulfilled it perfectly in action and motivation. And for us, it functions as a guide. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? 
Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that there is a blessing that comes with honoring the commandments of God. The blessing of following the things that Jesus is teaching us is that we will no longer have to pay the sin tax. God tells us in Deuteronomy 6 to pass these things down to our children and grandchildren. And when we do, we pass on the blessing of obedience. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Refresh. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.